the best time to get a buttermilk bar, apricots and balsamic vinegar, and the best colaches in Prague. This week, it's all about sweets and desserts. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies. This is where we explore the cuisine of the world at DestinationEatDrink.com and the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, we're revisiting some of my favorite conversations about sweets and desserts. We're talking donuts, colaches, and a new pastry taking Naples, Italy by storm. Plus, I fit in a little gelato talk. You know I got to talk gelato. And if any of these conversations strike your fancy, I've got links to the full episodes as well as my guests' information in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED187. Okay, I'm ready for dessert, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Alice Gu is an award-winning filmmaker who is the director of The Donut King. She tells me about making the movie and devouring donuts right out of the fryer. When I was a kid growing up, there were basically a couple of different kinds of donuts. There was the cake donut, there was the yeast donut, and you get maybe a couple different flavors of frosting on them, a couple different kinds of flavors of jelly that would they would get filled with. And if I was really, really lucky, my parents might buy me a cinnamon roll or a bear claw. Like, that would be a really special day. (laughs) That's what it was like in the 70s. Now, you go to these places and these donuts are like DKs. These donuts are a work of art. Any thoughts on, like, when and how this happened? I think it actually started from Dunkin' Donuts. So there were, like, 10 flavors of donuts. And I had the privilege to speak with Bob Rosenberg, who is the son of the founder of Dunkin'. And he was the CEO for 20, 30 years. And he took over, and this was in Quincy, Massachusetts. And I actually don't remember this, but Howard Johnson's, these, mm-hmm. I, I knew them, I knew them as motels and lodges. Howard Johnson sold ice cream. Yes. And they had, this is before 31 Flavors. Baskin Robbins existed. Like they were the first ones to have all these different varieties. This was a huge road trip place. Like these places would be in every town and you'd beg your parents to stop and and get uh get Hojo's for you back in, you know, way back when. Like when I was a little kid. Hojo's. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Okay, so the ice cream shops and and there was an ice cream uh, the Dunkin was across the street and he said if they can have all these flavors of ice cream, we should have 52 flavors of donuts, one for a different flavor for every week out of the year. There you go. So Bob Rosenberg really, that was his, that was his genius. And he's like, we'll do pineapple filling. He said it was endless and it's still endless. I mean, there's endless fillings and toppings and ways. And especially now people want bacon and sriracha and all these different flavors. It's endless. So I really have to think uh, the credit goes to Bob Rosenberg and these modern day kids have really gone further than that galaxy donuts, ube donuts, matcha, keto donuts. I mean, there's one, there's vegan, there's something for everybody. What are some of your favorite flavors of donut? I mean, the thing is, the thing about this is people always say to me, oh, you do this podcast, um, you must 
go to all these wonderful different places and eat whatever you want. And it's true. You know, I get <laughs> there's a lot of perks <laughs> to doing this. Right. So you're making a movie about donuts. How many donuts did you eat? And what were some of your favorites that you tried along the way? So I've had too many donuts to count. But I have to say, I am a bit old fashioned. I'm a bit old school. I like a good old glazed donut. And I like a good old maple bar. I mean, those are the staples. I mean, they're my absolute favorites. However, in filming, there was a day that we had these buttermilk bars at DK's. And we were filming in the evening. Um, this is a pro tip to anybody who's listening and is in Los Angeles or goes to Los Angeles. The buttermilk bars come out fresh around 9 p.m. That's, hmm. that is one, that's one batch that's being made. And we were there filming at night and hmm. Maylee, the donut princess, she offered me a donut and I'd had so many donuts. I, I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I mean, it was, it wasn't even a question of willpower. I just didn't want the donut that day. And she said, well, you don't have to have the whole thing. She's like, I can quarter it and you can share it with your crew. I said, oh, you know what? I'll do that. I'll have a quarter. That means, you know, then I can, then I can try it. So this was my first time having a buttermilk bar within 30 seconds out of the fryer and within 35 seconds of getting glazed. It was an out of body experience. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding. This is something that I didn't even want or even think that I wanted. I had no problem saying, no, I'm, I'm good. And then I went from that to like, I don't think I'm sharing this. <laughs> with my, I'm going to eat the whole thing. Quarter it. Screw that. I'm having the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. You guys are on your own. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, I, I mean, for my birthday, for my birthday, my editor, who knows how much I, I loved it. She had, um, 9 PM buttermilk bars, Uber eats. She sent cur couriered over to me. That's true love. Tony Mezzaglia is a foodie tour guide in Florence, Italy. We talk a bit about gelato and why it's so hard to find a good apricot. Traditional or those little rare ones I mentioned that are as good as traditional but not labeled for some reason. Um, those are going to go beautifully on a crema gelato. Crema is actually custard, so it's uh, milk, cream, sugar, a little bit of vanilla, maybe some citrus zest, and egg yolk. Okay, so it's richer than a regular uh, ice cream. And traditional balsamic goes beautifully on that. But it also goes great on fior di latte, which is just milk, cream, and sugar. Right, right. And then it goes great on, and when we're in that category of, of frozen things, it also goes great on sorbets like strawberry or peach or raspberry sorbet or apricot. Okay. And then all those fruits I just mentioned, apricot, I can't stress enough. It's, it's hard to find good apricots. And so a lot of people don't even know if they like them. Right. But when you have a good one and you have good balsamic on there, it will change your life. It's like, <laughs> because everybody talks about strawberries and strawberries are great with balsamic vinegar, but I'm telling you, there's something about an apricot with good balsamic. It almost feels buttery in your mouth. I'm still looking for the perfect apricot, Tony. I mean, every time yeah, I get States, it, it's I never, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's mealy and. It, yeah, those are horrible. Yeah. yeah you don't want that. There's no. nothing worse than a mealy one. Yeah. Oh, next time you come to Italy, if you come <laughs> in the summer, because that's, that's when I discovered, I always liked apricot flavored things right. when I was little, but I never had a real apricot until I was over here. I'll, ra I'll rarely have a fresh apricot just because of those bad mm -hmm. experiences, but I like apricots. Yeah. Like I'll have a dried mm -hmm. apricot and, and like it yes. a lot. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's one of your, put that on your, your bucket list okay. for your next trip to Italy. <laughs> you're, now you're going to have to come in the summer when it's horrifically hot just so you can eat that. Um. <laughs> Valerie is a tour guide in Prague, Czech Republic. She's an expert on the history and culture of the city. And she tells me how to find the best kolache in Prague. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, kolache because I lived in mm-hmm. uh, Texas, in Austin, Texas for a while. And that's where I really found out about kolaches because there's a huge Czech population in that part of Texas that came 150 years ago or something. And so there's kolache restaurants. There's like more kolache shops in central Texas than there are donut shops. And, you know, donuts are a big deal in America, Mm -hmm. but you go to central (laughs) Texas, you see kolaches everywhere. They have the the, uh, savory ones. They have the sweet ones, all different kinds of kolaches. But for our listeners, tell us what kolaches are and what are they like in uh, Prague specifically I'm wondering if they're any different than the ones that I got in Texas. So kolache are very traditional Czech pastries. It's a round, puffy pastry with some sweet middle. So it's kind of like an open one uh, most of the time. And uh, they were always cooked kind of from the ingredients that you have stored somewhere for the winter uh, like jam, mm. uh, poppy seeds, uh, maybe nuts. Uh, but of course, you can also use cottage cheese. That's very popular. So they can have very different kind of uh, stuffings, <laughs> flavors there. And they're very traditional, which means you won't be able to find it in any like hipster modern bakery. Okay. Um, because they're sort of considered to be too traditional not so cool even though i i see it here and there and my uh, general tip for finding kolache but i have to give you a warning please don't follow this advice uh, a czech person where they go because uh, <laughs> uh yeah they're usually going to get those <laughs> somewhere but please don't do that right because that's not like, right. that's, yeah, you can get yeah. in trouble <laughs> wearing a wearing a coat and kind of got your face covered and you're <laughs> following this guy around like a spy and like i'm just looking for yes. the kolache place some of these places are kind of they don't even have uh, uh they don't even marked on they're not even marked on google maps oh. that's how old they are yeah, so that's uh <laughs> It's it's so funny that they're like kind of these old-timey bakeries that maybe your grandparents went to, but I'm seeing as as I travel around a lot of these old-time things are becoming popular again. So who knows, mm-hmm. maybe when I talk to you again, it'll be like, "Oh, now kolaches are the hip thing and every hipster bakery has their own, yeah. you know, like matcha yeah. flavor so. or uh kale <laughs> kolache or something, you know, all these crazy flavors." Oh, wow. <laughs> that's perfect. Perhaps too healthy. <laughs> we need something, you know. We need some. <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely, definitely. But uh, I can uh, give you a name of my favorite store. Yes, please. Uh, where they get it, but it's very long. So maybe you can uh, write it somewhere where 
they can find it later. Yes, uh, send me send yeah. me an email with it, and then I'll put it in the show notes so that everyone can find it, and we'll have all kinds of American tourists going there <laughs> when <laughs> yeah. when COVID lifts. It's a lifts. little bit hidden. Yeah, okay, good. yeah, it's a little bit hidden, so it's better if I write it there. Okay, well, tell <laughs> at least tell me the name of it, and then we'll put it in the show notes later. Baffles me why they decided on that one. It's Pekarstvi Zolik Asin Vatsovska Pasaj. That is the full name, but it's really in Czech. It just means that it's a bakery of Zolik and Son in uh, Wenceslas's passage, something like this. So okay. it's a very descriptive name because it's hidden in a passage. But yeah, I'll I'll send it to you so you can write it down too. So in Czech, my brother was in uh, Prague a couple of years ago. It was before COVID. So it had to be a couple of years ago. And I was texting with him back and forth the other day. Cause I knew I was going to be talking to you, Valerie. And he said, ask her about the fruit dumplings. So mm-hmm. on behalf of my brother and everyone listening, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the fruit dumplings in Prague. I've mentioned the, uh, dumplings in Czech is knedliki. So we already talked about knedliki as a side dish uh, for your goulash, for example. But they can also come as a dessert. But a lot of people kind of find it hard to um, spot them on the menu because sometimes Czech people list them not in dessert section, but in like a normal meal because the portion is so huge that if you would bring it as a dessert to somebody, they'll probably say... What the hell is that? <laughs> this is not a dessert. <laughs> so sometimes you can have it an, as an actual lunch or dinner, maybe even. Um, but basically, uh, knedliki or fruit knedliki, uh, they're cooked in a way that you take a bowl of dough, usually with some, uh, something sweet in the middle and you boil it. But then, you drop it into a jam or butter with uh, poppy seeds or maybe some fruits on top. So you have that on top of your dumpling, but then you cut it up and you have more of that inside. So it's sort of like a sugar bomb that you can... (laughs) Cameron Hewitt is a travel guidebook writer for Rick Steves Europe. He's also proud to call himself a foodie. We talk about how to find a good gelato shop in Italy. I, I want to talk about gelato because folks who listen to this podcast know that I'm a gelato snob. I, I actually was a gelato maker for uh, several years. And I was so happy that you use Florence as your kind of base for gelato um, and talking about gelato. Because my opinion, if it's not the best gelato city in Italy, it's it's got to be right up there. Um, what did you love about uh, the gelato in Florence? Well, you know, it's it's it is one of the best gelato cities in Europe, uh, in Italy. It's also one of the worst gelato cities in, in, in Italy <laughs> if you don't choose well. And so, right. what this is a, a true story in the book. This this really happened. I, I met up with a, a Italian friend of mine um, in in Florence, and we were talking. And she said, "Oh, a friend of I one one time a friend of mine opened his own gelato shop. So I really under learned a lot through through him about h- how you make gelato and." Basically, like how to basically how to know when gelato is good, and I said, "You're kidding." I said, "Well, you, would you be willing to just walk me around and show me?" She said, "Sure." So we walked through Florence, and it was great because we stopped off at bad gelato shops that are total tourist ripoff joints. A lot of them kind of on the main drag or on the uh, Piazza della Signorina, you know, the main square in front of uh, uh, the, the Uffizi. 
where they're just, you know, they're just there to rip off tourists. And so she could point to a bad place and say, well, look, there's giant mountains of really colorful, brightly colored gelato. This is clearly bad gelato. You know, the bright colors are there to uh, mesmerize little kids, <laughs> get to get attention. Right. Um, but clearly this is not made on the premises. This is just, just garbage. So then, you know, she'd walk me back through little back streets and then you find the good gelato and it's, you know, very often it's, it's kept in metal containers with lids. One couple of things she taught me that, that were just wonderful. One is um, you want to find gelato that the color should, should be something that you'll find in nature, right? You want sort of subdued earth tones. Um, if you want to, when you think about a banana, uh, banana gelato junkie place is going to be bright yellow, but the flesh of a banana is a little bit off white. So if you find a gelato, that's a banana flavor that has almost no yellow to it, that tells you it's natural flavors and, and not artificial flavors and colors. Um, so, you know, you look for colors you find in nature. Uh, this is what I always say. I always say, uh, bananas aren't yellow, <laughs> banana, right, right. <laughs> banana peels are yellow, but bananas, they are not yellow. They're like a cream colored. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah you want to look for sort of a matte color. I always say a matte color, not a high gloss color, not an HD color. You want this kind of, uh, flat matte colored and I also always say, if you want to tell the quality of a gelato shop, taste the pistachio. If they know how to make yep. a good pistachio, if they're using real pistachio and not uh, some neon green thing, um, then you probably are going to get a pretty good uh, gelato. Uh, do, do you think pistachio is the, uh, is the benchmark? It's what I always use, Cameron. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same. First of all, I just like it. Um, but then, yeah, the, the thing that told me about pistachio specifically is when, because again, she can see it through the eyes of someone who runs a gelato shop. She said, well, you know, you sell gelato, it's the same cost, no matter what flavor. Mm -hmm. But the reason why pistachio is a good indicator is pistachio is the most expensive flavor to produce. If you're using real pistachios, the cost to the vendor, you know, per scoop is higher for pistachio than anything else. Absolutely. So if they do a good pistachio, an authentic pistachio, what it tells you is, they're less worried about squeezing out all the profit and they just want to put out good gelato. So if you know, if the pistachio is good, you know that they're making everything the right way and you can just take your pick, even if you don't want a full cone of, gel of pistachio, any other flavor should also be done well. It's, it's so true. When I was making my gelato, um, the, the return on a, on a cone of pistachio was very minimal <laughs> compared to a <laughs> cone of vanilla, <laughs> even though real vanilla is, is relatively expensive. You know, vanilla is one of the lesser expensive uh, brands to make. Um, but yeah, pistachio is extremely, if you do it properly, pistachio is extremely <laughs> expensive to make. Fiorella Squillante is a foodie tour guide in Naples, Italy. Her company, Naples Fabulous, takes people around this wonderful city of food and drink. And we talk about a new decadent dessert in Naples. I'm addicted to this uh, new entry in the Neapolitan pasticceria, which is the Fiocco di Neve. Fiocco di Neve was invented in 2015 okay. by this uh, man called Ciro Popella. And if we want to translate the name, uh, is a snowflake because it's this uh, puffy delicious little brioche which is oh. filled with the cream oh my gosh oh, i cannot stop. describe it because <laughs> i know no let me finish just the cream <laughs> just a little bite one more bite uh it's filled with this cream made with sheep ricotta cheese and then there must be a secret ingredient like a little bit of whipped cream or so but it's 
unbelievable. Fionco mm. di neve. So next time you come, yes. we go to Popella for the original because now many pastry shops are trying to imitate, but nobody is able to make it exactly um, so good. I mean, because also the brioche has a very uh, peculiar consistency in this place. Oh my God, so good. Okay, there you go. Karen and I are talking about going back to Naples for a short trip next year. I'm definitely getting some Fiocco de Neve when we're there. There's links to all my guests' websites and info in the show notes. Get that at radiomisfits.com slash DED187. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app. That would be super nice of you. And you are a nice person, aren't you? Um, that's it for this week. Next week, I'm talking with Michaela Malazzi. She is the creator and host of the TV show Bare Feet on PBS. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just published a story about the best bars in Cork, Ireland. And there's some real gems in Cork, like my favorite one run by this crazy fun guy from Belarus. Read all about him and all the other bars at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who eats Fiocco de Neve for breakfast, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>